0: Hello, I'm Katie Piper, and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story, who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. Welcome to the final episode of this special three-part series in collaboration with AXA PPP Healthcare, the health insurance provider that works with the world's best wellbeing experts. In this episode, I talk to Copperfield founder, Chris Helenga. Chris is an extraordinary person because she's battled her own illness for the past 10 years. But she's an entrepreneur. She set up her own business, a charity at the age of 23. She's gone out there and genuinely saved the lives of people she's never met. But while she's inspired people, it's not been an easy road for her. And in this episode, she's very open and honest about what it's been like to live with cancer for the last 10 years. Then I speak with Carol Bremner, a Senior Specialist Nurse Advisor in AXA PPP's Healthcare's Cancer Care Team. Chris, thank you very much. For yeah, thanks on. for having me. I know you're crazy busy. Um, you run your own charity, and you. How old are you now? I'm thirty three. Thirty three. Okay. okay, so you're young, mm-hmm. um, and you you live down in Cornwall, yes. right? But you're here in London today. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I follow you on social, and you're just one of those people who's like, one day in one country, next <laughs> day in the next place. Yeah. Then you're in hospital. Then you're hosting an event. Yeah. Um, so how? I don't know how I could actually summarize what you do on a day-to-day basis so can you tell me what you do and then and, and sort of talk a bit about yourself for people yeah listening.
1: i think that's like the hardest question to answer um but Ultimately, I'm the founder of Copperfield, which is the breast cancer charity that I started 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But um, I used to be the CEO, so I used to run it really full time. But now I'm part time. Mm -hmm. And so I have quite a few different projects on the go as well. So I moved to Cornwall to live actually a simpler life and do something um, nice and more chilled with my twin sister who lives down there as well. And so we now own a coffee and cake truck, which oh, we right. okay. sell coffee and cake from. So, yeah, vastly different from my life in London. So, do you bake all the cake? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah right. I bake okay. and then we make really nice coffee. So, yeah, it's so different from anything to do with boobs. Um, but I think I needed that three years ago when the cancer progressed and I needed something
0: that would take my mind away from anything to do mm-hmm. with that life. When I first sort of heard about your story, I think it was at the beginning of you setting up your charity. Mm. I find it really interesting because you set up a charity and the reason behind that charity you were directly affected mm-hmm. by the cause. You were well, I, yes. you know, I don't want to speak for you. You were diagnosed yeah. with cancer how old yeah.
1: were you? Um so I was 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: 23 miles diagnosed. So everyone must have heard of the charity by now. Because no, I'd like to think so. <laughs> well, I, and yeah. I just think it's so great. The, the recognisable thing is the giant boob. Yeah. You know, I saw you on the trading floor and you have the, I saw the little stress balls with the yeah. nipples on. Yeah. And yeah. you just know that's Copperfield.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you. But people now make that connection. And if they see people running a half marathon or a 10K or whatever at an event and they're wearing a big boob, they mm-hmm. automatically think of Copperfield. Yeah. And that's really nice. I'm so glad that we have that brand association now. But, I mean, it's taken a long time to get there. <laughs>
0: and as a woman, when you see it, straight away, your mind goes to examine, examining your own breasts. Mm, yeah. you know, it's such a great the, – the brand is so yeah. great because you yeah. go straight back to what you're yeah. trying to raise awareness yeah. of.
1: I feel lucky – that we it's it's a topic about boobs boobs are very versatile yeah (laughs) and we can do lots of creative things around the topic of boobs i think if i had had another cancer then it might be a lot trickier (laughs) i feel lucky for getting breast cancer but it's certainly something that we can use in a creative way and get a message across that is so hard for people to adopt because people are busy and they've already got all of their behaviours in place and and all of their habits. So adopting a new one is quite hard, Mm. which is why we target young people so that they can adopt it and bring it into their life when they're younger.
0: Mm. And what Um, about the practicalities of your own health? Because mm. you touched there on the diagnosis was age 23. Um, And for anybody, I was going to say for anybody listening that hasn't been affected by cancer, but... I think almost everybody, maybe not directly, but indirectly, mm-hmm. has had a, an experience yes. of what it's like for somebody yeah. to go through treatment. Um, and often when we talk about disease or disability, we talk about an end point or a cure. But some journeys aren't like that, mm-hmm. are they? Yeah. And yeah, so when I was diagnosed, there wasn't
1: any Real reference to survival for me. There was only a, well, there wasn't any like long term living with cancer survival. It was all the always cured or died. Mm. There was never much reference to this in between stage of like, okay, can you live with it? Can you live a normal life that you might deem normal, might not be normal for everyone? Can you be happy? Can Mm. you still find laughter and silly things? Can you still live a day? Without thinking about cancer every moment of every single day, and I obviously at first I just thought that's not possible. How mm-hmm. am I going to go to bed and not think about it? Yeah. But actually, the day that that eventually arrived, and I it wasn't the first thing that I thought about in the morning, and the last thing I thought about at night. That's when I realised I wish someone could tell me that. Well, but why didn't anyone tell me that? Yeah.
0: How many years in was that?
1: Um, I'd say. Um, by the end of the first year so I was diagnosed in February 2009 mm-hmm. and I started the charity within 2 months so mm-hmm. I had that's very soon yeah, yeah. it yeah. it really was I had to fuel all of that energy into something and Copperfield was my outlet but has your personality always been like that then mm, not really like right. I wasn't I didn't have much direction before I was diagnosed I didn't really know what I wanted to do I didn't have a job in mind or
0: anything. Um, so okay. I was a bit of a floater through life. But that's quite normal at 23. Yeah, I know. I know. Also, I think at 23, you never think you're going to be directly affected by disease, no. disability, anything no. like that, you no. know?
1: Yeah, you are living in a very perfect world where you don't think any of these things are going to affect you. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly one of those people. And um, so it was a massive surprise, a huge shock. And then just having. Off the back of my diagnosis story, so being d- diagnosed so late and being told I was a young woman and not to worry about the symptoms I was having for so long, that fueled me to obviously start the charity and make sure that didn't happen to anyone else.
0: Mm, so that kind of, because you, you always get that question, don't you? And um, how's your perspective changed your life? Mm. And uh, well, are you a different person to before? And yeah. I, I mean, I find that question in some ways a little bit ridiculous because everyone's a different person from mm-hmm. their 20s to their yeah. 30s regardless yeah everyone's going to have had some life-changing stuff yeah different levels happen yeah. to them yeah and how can you measure that how yeah. do you know yeah you know
1: I would love I've, I kind of have forgotten that person that I was back then but then that is it's been 10 years so that's yeah. normal but I do have to say that I think Chris at 23 was quite lost mm-hmm. and she wasn't very happy and um and I Kind of put that down to the relationship that I was in at the time. So I was going out with a boy who made me feel like he was my answer to happiness. He Uh was the one that was going to... Make me realize why being alive is great, and I yeah. and that and obviously it was cancer that then
0: made me realize no, that all has to come from within. Mm. But don't you think as I was going to say as women, but as men as well, at that age we are sold a thing of like meet the prince, meet the princess, mm-hmm. and love will make you happy, take yeah. your problems away, yeah. and it's usually the ending to most children's books. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, I was
1: very much sucked into that.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and this relationship was, I mean, it was very manipulative and. Just not healthy at all. But I, I, I just thought that was normal. Because mm-hmm. you have no life experience yeah. or no. comparison. No, yeah, absolutely not. So
0: did you break away from that relationship yeah. after yeah. the diagnosis? Yeah,
1: yeah. well, he kind of determined that um, and he wasn't there. So, so he, he couldn't didn't, cope? He couldn't cope. Mm. And, um, and that happened, thankfully, very much at the beginning. So I could just go, right, that's that. I need to get
0: better. And now I need to focus on myself. Mm. And I'm
1: so glad that I did. (laughs) Because
0: sometimes those things help us weed out people from the beginning. Yeah. Rather than further down the line when you're more entwined Mm -hmm. and it would be more draining.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I needed that fresh start to Mm. know that I had to rely on me and my family and the people closest to me at that moment. So, um, yeah, that was a refreshing thing to do.
0: (laughs) One of the things I'm interested in is... um, you know that like saying of leading a normal life and mm. obviously normal is so prescriptive and individual to different, yeah. different people. Yeah. Um, have you spent most of your 20s in and out of hospital and treatment?
1: Yeah well almost a third of my life now has been with cancer. Mm. Um, so for me that that is just life now. Um, yeah so my 20s certainly weren't like most people's mm. and I've been single for most of that time too and is that I,
0: what's the reason is that a choice or is it a struggle um
1: I I think both mm. I think it's um not something that I've ever prioritized I did have a relationship I met someone the the year I was diagnosed and we were together for four years so he was with me for some really big horrific moments mm-hmm. and really great moments too and it was very intense, but ultimately he he couldn't deal with it emotionally. Right. So then that ended, um, and after that, I just didn't really ever want to focus on anyone else but myself. Mm-hmm. And so it just hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just haven't prioritized it, and and I have become so happy in my own skin and in my own company that I don't
0: miss it either. So I don't know. I'm just happy as I am. And also it goes back to that same thing of comparison of, well, lots of us know people in their 20s and 30s that haven't met the right person yeah. and they don't have cancer yeah. or any other illness. Yeah. You know? So it's it's like can you take it back to that or are you just like one of the many other people that haven't prioritised it yeah. because they're ambitious and... Yeah, you
1: know? yeah, yeah. If I if I was just, yeah, if I just wanted to bat the question away, I'd be like, I'm too busy. Yeah. Uh, but then... I, I don't want to use cancer as an excuse to not be with someone. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is wholly that. It has changed my perspective on life and, like, you know, um, not wanting to put a burden on someone. That is mm-hmm. that is an aspect. And I, I have seen countless men, husbands, boyfriends been left behind after my friends have died. And dealing with their grief and just observing that has been so tough mm-hmm. um, and a real eye-opener. And... There is a there is a part of me that thinks I don't want to do that to anyone. I don't want to leave someone behind. Mm. I think that's almost a selfish thing to do. But then I always get people saying, no, oh, yes, it will be their decision and they want to do that. Yeah. If they want to do that, then they should. And I, I do believe that too. But at the same time, if I'm happy, then I don't need to change anything in my life.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, I suppose so. And I guess these things, we do, often we don't consciously go and seek them. They happen. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm not ruling like a, it out. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm just not prioritizing it
0: because I just think it's really interesting when people um like people understand more about um different situations through things like sharing on platforms like social media, but sometimes they don't understand the realities of spending most of your younger years in hospital mm-hmm. might mean you can't necessarily travel, get insured, yeah. get a mortgage yeah. and do kind of stuff that people wouldn't even really think about.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, no.
0: the normal life yeah. stuff, the mundane stuff, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, you know, has that been something that's been an obstacle in your life?
1: Um no, but I I actually love educating people on that topic. Yeah, and I and I you know there there is so many there are so many hidden things when it comes to cancer. Cancer is mm. not just you get diagnosed and you get better from the outset. I there wasn't a clear path to getting better. There mm. were options. There were decisions that I had to make, and yeah, and then once you start living with it, it's a costly disease to have. There isn't there isn't obviously you get your most of your NHS drugs paid for, but there are so many other things and obviously oh, really? there See, was,
0: people wouldn't realise that No. Um
1: there's a huge cost to having cancer. And um because obviously you can't the, work or Yeah, be- yeah, there's that. But also the government give us some benefits but even it comes down to um uh cancer patients feel the cold more so their heating bills will be higher. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um there are certain th- uh, comfortable clothes that they might want to wear after surgery there's there's a lot of things that don't that don't get talked about mm-hmm. or discussed with you when you're first diagnosed you think it's just one thing and actually all this like pandora's box opens and you're like oh wow i didn't realize that was going to be the case yeah. and actually it was only the year that i was diagnosed that they brought in free prescriptions for cancer patients really before that people had to pay wow for prescriptions. So, I don't know how people coped before 2009. Yeah. Um, but now, obviously, we don't have to pay for prescriptions. Um, do
0: you have to go out there and do your own research? Yeah. 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 And I how do you, what, just go onto Google and <laughs> just type it? Yeah. Away? I mean,
1: there was a, Google is a minefield <laughs> yeah. when it comes to cancer. Um, but it's been a lot of teamwork with my oncologist, but also um, I've been quite good at finding the right resources. Um, And I think it's... But that has come with the years of having it. Yeah. So, I mean, there are lots of complementary therapies that I have found really useful in the early days. It was things like reflexology, acupuncture, stuff like that. And I don't claim that any of these things are keeping my cancer at bay necessarily, but they help with the side effects of the treatment. They Mm -hmm. help with my anxiety, my mental health, and just making sure that I can cope with everything. Like, there's one thing that they... You know, the drugs world focus on helping the cancer, reducing the cancer, making you survive. But there's never really any... There's no never any focus on all the other stuff, the side effects that come with those drugs, um, how they're going to make you feel mentally, whether you need support with that. And, um, like who's going to look after the kids when you're feeling really crap after taking this one medicine? Like, none of that is covered. Mm. So that's very much something that I didn't realise that I had to investigate myself. Mm. Um, But I I have got to a stage where I can manage all these things quite well now. But it is expensive and it takes time. Mm. Um, I Mm -hmm. do yoga regularly. And then there are certain medications like CBD oil that Mm -hmm. I use that I find really useful for sleep and anxiety. Um, especially before scans and
0: scan results. You put a really um, celebratory post on social media Mm. the other day and you'd been for your scan, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: so I have scans every three months to monitor what the
0: cancer's doing and
1: um, so in the last few years my cancer has been present in my bones and in my liver and in my brain Um, and last year was particularly... um, Full on with new cancer popping up in my brain quite a lot. So, mm-hmm. I had a lot of treatment in my brain last year. And then, and I started a new drug in December, and we weren't sure how well it was doing. But in February, we found out that it was starting to shrink the liver tumors, right. and there was no new cancer in my brain. And then the most recent scan showed that most of the liver tumors have now gone. My goodness. And yeah. that the biggest one has shrunk quite a lot. So, um, it's huge progress, yeah. given how awful last year was. Um, but the thing, the the mad thing is that I don't know that any of this is happening. This is all just comes up on scans. So, right. so you're and not this
0: is, having symptoms. No,
1: I'm not. I'm not symptomatic. And and so this really is just news that I get when the doctor tells me. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the scan, it's just a little bit of darker grey mm-hmm. in a in a picture that is just great anyway yeah and you think how how do I make sense of that how is that happening inside my body
0: yeah
1: um and it but obviously getting good news is really great and getting bad news is awful but and but I make the most of the good news and I sail through it and kind of go do you know what I can relax for another three months I can just kind of get on with life Mm. because I mean, more than anything, cancer treatment, if I had to have a different kind of treatment or if I had to have some radiotherapy to treat some more brain tumours, it's inconvenient more than anything. Yeah. Like, I have so much that I want to do and it's more inconvenient. But in terms of actually having pain and stuff, I don't really
0: suffer with any of that. So, Because I wondered when I saw the post, you know, my instant reaction was bloody brilliant. That's amazing. Mm. But then I did think, how how do you stop yourself living from scan to scan? Yeah. Those that period in between, yeah. you know, what you do with that when you're yeah. waiting for the next scan. Yeah. And like ten years it's it's fantastic. Mm. But on the other hand, when I looked at the post I was like, ten years of living with a lot of physical pain, a lot of yeah. mental pain, yeah. a lot of symptoms, that's really hard going. Yeah. That's a decade. Yeah. You know, people who haven't lived with chronic pain or disease wouldn't understand that that would have actually in some ways felt like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I don't know what it would feel like
1: now to not have cancer. Yeah. It's um, it's very much ingrained in my life. Um, And I actually at the time I felt really weird because at first I didn't want to have a party to celebrate my 10-year cancer mastery. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, no, I do want to have a party because like, I... I love an excuse to see all my friends. Yeah. But um, I do feel the pressure of, okay, so people now think I've survived 10 years. I now need to get to 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm this long-term survivor that people are rooting for. And, they, and um, they kind of hold a torch up to it because they're like, I want to be that person. And I will survive because this person's surviving.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I've done that to other people as well. Yeah. So there are people that have had cancer for longer than me. And then when they die... And or they're not very well. That's obviously terrifying for me because yeah. I think that's going to happen to me too. Mm. So I, I get it and I get that attitude. But um, I, I guess what I want to say to people is um, I can only do so much, mm. <laughs> and like it's it's for you to live your own life. And like for me, it's not about quantity. Although I want to be alive for as long as possible. For me, it's about the quality mm-hmm. um, and making sure that my life is actually worth living because i don't think life is necessarily worth living if you're constantly on drugs that are making you feel horrendous and you're spending every day all day in bed, right, and all those things. So I think that's where where we have this clash with the pharmaceutical industry, who are there to just make the drugs, but don't actually care about the side effects. Yeah, and actually, that's not you're not pro- providing life. You're providing just this extension of existence, and mm-hmm. I, that's not good enough.
0: Do you think that has been your journey of acceptance as well? Yeah, because you sound quite like definite, in, and you sound quite like you you know where you're at, you mm-hmm. know, in, in your mind, yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I, I do. Think that's come with time um and I I feel like I'm in a good place of acceptance with it all now and um there isn't anything that I'm burning to do because I feel like if I wanted to do something I would have done it by now um so it's not like I have that pressure of I must still achieve this that and whatever although there are I mean there are things but Mm. I don't want to be suddenly ill and on a deathbed wishing that I'd done all these things Mm. Because I think that I don't want to leave with any
0: regrets. And also there's like this thing of just because you're living with cancer doesn't mean you have to abseil down the shard. Exactly. You know, like for some people, <laughs> exactly. happiness is actually at home watching telly with their family.
1: Absolutely. You know? There's nothing better than watching Love Island with your cat on your lap.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's what I'm doing tonight, minus yeah. the cat. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so absolutely, the pressure of having to make every day amazing and yeah. living it, living it like it was your last... I don't subscribe to that. I don't think that's a way of living. That's a lot of pressure.
0: Do you know one thing I did wonder as well is sort of years ago we associated um, the appearance of somebody of cancer as somebody who's lost their hair. And actually lots of people's drugs don't make them... You know, my mum has cancer and she's... It's been sort of five years and she's never lost her hair. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be honest, she never really looks that ill, yeah. you know, she might look tired, she might feel sick and ill but then she stays at home and she feels really Mm -hmm. ill so what's it like living with an invisible illness?
1: Yeah I think, yeah, definitely the cancer stereotype is changing and Mm. I think with the presence of more people in social media talking about their cancers and um, there's a lot more chat about it I think people are starting to realise that actually because it is really quite an individual thing, not everyone loses their hair, not everyone loses their eyebrows, not everyone does this blah blah blah. Um, so having but then yeah but then we face this issue of okay well then how do I get the message across that I am living with something that is quite difficult on some days Mm -hmm. and I need people to take that into account um playing the cancer card (laughs) is for me quite hard but um so I mean I sometimes if I have to I wear a badge on the underground that says please offer me a seat and I found that really useful and do people, I, yeah, acknowledge I mean, it? not not always, yeah. <laughs> but then I think most of the time people are distracted on their phones so they're yeah. not even looking up and they're not really noticing who's around them anyway. So that's I don't true. really blame them. Um, and then I've noticed that more public toilets have now got signs saying not all disabilities are the standard wheelchair picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and inv- and invisibilities, um, and and I think that's quite useful, but. It is, I don't want to go around shouting that I've got cancer. I don't Mm -hmm. want to do that. But at the same time, I need sometimes people to understand that um, I still have this ongoing long-term chronic illness. Mm. And um, I think even sometimes I have that issue with my family Mm. um, because I don't want them to feel sorry for me constantly and I don't want sympathy and I don't want help all the time. But sometimes I've... I feel that I need to remind them that I'm sick and Mm. I've got a disease and it's trying to suck the life out of me some days. Um, And I hate that I have to do that. But But that's the the real situation. Yeah, that is the situation. And I think that's probably the life that I've created for myself, though. I Mm. want to live a normal and um, full and thriving life. So um, sometimes I guess I can't have it both ways. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, it's catch it's, twenty-two. It really it? is. Yeah, yeah. You've done lots of um, well. You've done so many varied things. You know, in in business, in work, in your personal life, like sporting achievements. And and I, I kind of wondered. I mean, obviously, your charity is a huge achievement because it's sort of helping people you'll mm-hmm. never even meet. You know, mm-hmm. that's quite an amazing yeah. ripple effect. But I wondered what were some of your proudest achievements to. To, to, to date, to present day? Um, oh, wow. I, I Big mean, question, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it really is.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, whenever people say, like, what is that? What is the ultimate highlight? And I, and I can't deny that it's finding out from people um, that they've had an early diagnosis because of us and they come back to us and say, I wouldn't have found my cancer if it wasn't for you. Um, and we can't know for sure that the cancer won't return in a few years' mm-hmm. time. We can't know for sure that they won't have a relapse but we've given them the best possible chance in that moment yeah. to get an early diagnosis and get better so it's it's those messages and the first one we got was in 2010 so not long after we started and it was this girl called Jenny and she said I went back to the GP because of you guys and I was diagnosed within a week and um, that was when it all made sense and that's when my life made sense it made uh, my cancer uh, it gave my cancer a, a meaning it gave mm-hmm. everything It everything just fell into place in that moment obviously not for her (laughs) it's not great to be diagnosed but we gave her the best possible chance and actually um we're still in touch with her she's still an ambassador for us she had a little girl the other day so you know that is that they are the stories that we're creating and that's that's what I'm most proud of Mm -hmm. but then you know there's other personal achievements like um and you've had this too um getting an honorary doctorate Mm -hmm. for um the work that I do and what I was really proud of there isn't someone just going, giving me a clap because I've got cancer. Mm-hmm. It was the work that I achieved, like my actual yeah. working career and the, the path that I've carved myself. It's a genuine impact. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I was really proud of. It wasn't just like, you're inspirational, you got cancer, yay. Yeah.
0: It
1: was, no, the, the work that you've done and the the hours that you've put into that, yeah. that's what makes like, Cobb feel amazing. And, um, and then I was like, yeah, actually, I'm... I'm really proud of that. Yeah, and you <laughs> I allowed can, myself to be proud of that. It's a that. solid achievement, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It, it's, it's
0: a working professional achievement, definitely. Yeah.
1: And I think just my attitude. I'm so glad about my own sort of attitude and how I've gotten through this um mentally and physically and proud of my body. God. Cuz mm. I of the things that's uh, been put through Yeah, I mean incredible. it's phenomenal, isn't yeah. it, what the human body yes. can
0: go through and Absolutely. endure yeah. um, and and bounce back from yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to end the interview of asking you, you know, because lots of different types of people will be listening to this interview. And it's sort of not your tips, but I guess your kind of advice, um, because you do represent resilience. And I suppose for people who are just not feeling resilient, mm. what would you say to them? Give yourself a break. I think don't beat yourself up about that
1: because it might come with time and I think it's baby steps like no one's expecting you to kind of bounce out of bed and go do you know what today's going to be great because I've got cancer and I might not survive forever but anyone should have that attitude it's Mm. not even with rogue cancer cells in your body anyone should feel like do you know what this life isn't going to be around forever and Mm -hmm. this life has to be led today but maybe not today but maybe even just tomorrow and that's fine too and it doesn't have you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. um but knowing that you can end the day thinking today was a good day yeah that's a good place to get to
0: yeah that's like it doesn't it doesn't
1: have to be like today was absolutely epic it just has to be good
0: for anybody That's yeah a great take exactly home, isn't it? exactly so for, for anyone that has found you inspirational <laughs> in this interview and maybe they want to fundraise or yeah. support or donate yeah. give me some some lit tags for what they can do and how well, they can find um, you for anyone that wants to find out more about cobbfield there's our website copperfield.org
1: mm-hmm. and that's where you can find out all about how to check your boobs the signs and symptoms of breast cancer how to support us if you might want to Take part in one of our fundraising events, and um, obviously we're all over social media because who isn't? Yeah. Um, so follow us there because that that's. I mean, it's usually quite an amusing thing. Um, <laughs> and if you like boobs, then it's the place for you. But, um, and then, but we have this text reminder service as well, which right. I wanted to mention. Um, so it's a free service. Every month we will text you to remind you to check your boobs. And it's usually like a poem or a sonnet or something oh, yeah. that it'll be uh, might give you a little chuckle. And you could be like in a lecture or in a meeting or at the bus stop. And mm-hmm. this message comes off on your phone reminding you to check yourself. So
0: Is that how often we should do it, once a month?
1: Yeah. Yeah, ideally. And I think for women, you know, get into the habit of like knowing what your boobs are doing during your cycle and -hmm. then realise, like working out the best time to do it. And um, that that service is um, free if you text the word boobs to 70300. (laughs) So boobs to 70300. And yeah, and then you're signed up for free.
0: Oh, excellent. Well, I don't want to sound really mushy, but I do find you inspirational. Oh, well, likewise. Um. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for um, coming on here and not just... Talking about the fluffy stuff yeah. and being really open. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, um, you welcome. Yeah, it's been a really interesting episode for me and I hope that lots of different people get to download it and, and take something from it. If you've got breast cancer or know someone who has, AXA PPP have a fantastic support network of specialist cancer nurses who can help you. I'm joined now by Carol Bremner, a Senior Specialist Nurse Advisor in AXA PPP's Health Cancer Care Team, guiding members and their families through a dedicated cancer support line. Welcome to the podcast, Carol. Thank you
2: very much, Katie.
0: <laughs> Thank you um, for coming. Now, you play such an important role um, in so many people's lives. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what being you know, a dedicated
2: cancer care nurse involves? So it involves um, managing our members who have unfortunately had a diagnosis of cancer. So we let them know that we are there for them. We're there to guide them. um, We're there to support them through the entire journey. Would the support be practical advice? Would it be... Yeah, absolutely. So it's totally new. Obviously, for a lot of people, they're shocked. This is the first time they've heard this, they've maybe had to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has been touched by someone that's got cancer. And um, so they, some members will come um, into contact with us, they will be in utter shock. So mm-hmm. we will chat with them about how best we can support them in terms of you know, of their actual plan, but also more importantly, we'll guide them if they're not sure how to find a specialist. But mm-hmm. we, we also will you know, we get questions like, I don't know what to tell my family. Right, okay. What, yeah. what do I tell my children? Um yeah. or or equally I don't want to tell my family. Mm-hmm. Um we get we get questions about um what will the treatment involve, mm-hmm. you know if I lose my hair, you know, what can be done? So um, lots of anxieties oh, and unknowns. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that, and I think for a lot of people that is the scary part. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I think with that comes um, a feeling of a loss of control.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I could imagine that. Yeah, yeah, embarking
2: on a journey that you've no idea yeah. the outcome. Yeah, we also do have... 24-hour dedicated nurse support line. So during the day, I'm part of that line Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And we have boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, whoever, um, phoning. um, Because sometimes, particularly with um, someone that's got cancer that doesn't want to talk about it, it, sometimes that can come from they think they are protecting the other person. Mm -hmm. But in actual fact, that can cause a lot of stress to the other person because they can't then talk to them about it and they're not sure what's happening so sometimes you might get someone that will come on the line and say oh I'm really, you know, I'm really upset or I'm really fearful. Mm. Um, They need to acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah and if they can't talk to them and they maybe think they can't talk to their family sometimes it is just... Well who can I talk to? I need mm. to let this out. I need to Do tell you. someone how I feel. So when someone first initially calls up who can they expect to speak to on that first phone call? If it's a dedicated nurse line the phone then they will just they'll speak to a nurse right, right away. If it's within um our cancer care team so we have Um, nurses and we also have very experienced case managers. So when they come through, um, we'll have a chat with them. We'll tell them that they will be allocated um, a nurse specifically to look after them. Mm. They'll be given our direct line number. But we also reassure them. We tell them Mm -hmm. there'll always be someone there for them and Mm -hmm. and we're always happy to have a chat with them. So it is 24... What's the service, 24 hours? So the dedicated nurse line is a 24-hour support line. Right, Yeah. I mean, I
0: know what I'm quite guilty of. Is if I'm suffering uh, mentally or physically I'll read books I'll listen to podcasts I'll research things which is helpful yeah. but then I'll go on to Google yes. and I'll diagnose or try yes. and get answers and actually I think if I could actually speak to somebody who knew what they were yeah. talking about, mm-hmm. then maybe that might take a layer away of wrong, false anxieties, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and not necessarily give me the answer, because sometimes there's not an answer in all situations. But sometimes, you know, it's great to access material, but sometimes you need a human. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for giving us an insight into what you do yeah. and and why you do it and how it can it can help other people i Mm. think it's really important because you know we we luckily are as a society getting better at talking about these things Mm. um so i hope anybody that's listening who has been affected will now now know that you exist thanks for listening to katie piper's extraordinary people if you haven't already please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts if you enjoyed this please help us spread the word. Rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials.